Hello siblings, welcome to the Sensory Siblings podcast. I'm your host, Louisa Shirey, and this is beaming to you from the solar system, the liberatory framework and unmasking unschool for creatively identified autistic folks who are seeking another way to see, know and be yourself. This is a radical reimagining of what's possible when we redefine ourselves from within by unlearning who we are not, making self-connection our goal, activating the languages of our sensory-oriented perception and creating the culture shifts to activate futures and selves. It all starts within. Hey siblings, so today I want to get into an icky subject which I've certainly experienced and had to dig into plenty of times and I imagine will be part of your journey as well. And the subject is shame. Ew, yuck, no, we don't want to go there because it's such a bad feeling, right? But stay with me because shame offers you one of the most powerful tunnels of un. But stay with me because shame is an invitation into one of the most powerful tunnels of un. So today I want to unpack shame and how you can think about it in a useful way and answer that call that it represents. Because it's a side effect of learning to people please and then finding out that you can't always please people and when you live according to pleasing other people you don't live your own life but you start living like an arcade machine ball ping-ponging between what other people want. Sometimes people are displeased and they let us know and if we've made other people's approval important then when they do this, when they express being displeased, we experience shame. And so we avoid doing that thing again. And so when in the future we need to do that thing, or that thing that we were shamed for represents a positive evolution, it again reproduces that feeling of shame and boxes us into old versions of people-pleasing actions to try and avoid the shame when the way to deal with shame is to go right into it and feel through it, move it out of your body and at the same time to know that it's just emotions that are coming from old ideas, past models of who you thought you get to be. In other words, it's the product of thoughts about yourself. The other side of that tunnel of un, of feeling through it, and knowing that the thoughts that might accompany those feelings aren't true. The other side of going through that is an inner freedom to please yourself and only yourself, of having your own approval and to discover that the social consequences of having your own approval might not lead to the social death you expect it to be. So let's go deeper. So notice how shame, it feels like it kind of contains the idea that someone else is looking at you and finding you less than, not good enough, not enough. And how shame is, I'm thinking of other people's perspectives on me and then 
through their perspective, finding myself inadequate or bad or wrong or rubbish at something I should be good at or should be or that I should be something other than what I am right now. So I'm going to restate the start of that sentence. I'm thinking of other people's perspective on me. It's I'm and it's thinking. It's that I'm doing that thinking. The feelings of shame and inadequacy are coming directly from the thoughts that I am thinking. It's me that is doing the shaming. So I might be using other people's thoughts and projecting what I imagine their thoughts to be, but those projections are still in my own thoughts. There is no way that I can actually know what other people are thinking, even if they tell me what seems like their thoughts about me. And trying to second guess their thoughts actually puts my focus on trying to control their thoughts or modify myself to please them instead of being in my own experience and therefore in touch with my own ability to please myself and approve of myself. So no one else can shame you unless in your own thinking on some level you are in agreement with them in some way. So in your own thoughts or beliefs about yourself, even if they're not conscious. So no one else can shame you unless there is some kind of unconscious belief in you that agrees with what they are saying or shaming you for. So shame is a feeling, an emotion created in the body by those thoughts or beliefs of inadequacy. The emotion is real, but the thoughts producing them may not reflect what people actually think, nor what is actually true for you. It being true is impossible to know and it's actually irrelevant. So a thought or belief is is useful and empowering and, and productive if it energizes you. If it feels like, and this is a reality that I have energy for, that I can grow in. Shame is a recoil, it's the opposite, it's de-energizing. It's stooping low, a withdrawing of energy, a hiding It's a kind of self-loathing. It's the invisible lines drawn. It's a parenting tactic, a social conditioning tool to force an agreement of social hierarchy and importance and correctness. It's coercion. These are the lines and if you cross them, we will make you feel bad. How dare you? Who do you think you are? Idiot or being laughed at, or being disapproved of. So to shame someone is to attempt to impose values onto them, to get them to conform to your reality and your idea of should, what they should be, what is the right thing to do. And crucially, at the same time, these conditions of approval, these shoulds, will also make you feel good if you comply with them, if you stick within them. Oh, I got that feeling of having someone's approval. I got an A star. I passed the conditional acceptance standards. I got a smile of acceptance. I got a sense that I'm meeting someone's expectations for me. I won that praise. I am liked or I am approved of. 
And so it feels good. So you want more. And this is the difficulty and anguish and horror of shame. It's believing that there are conditions on your belonging and your worthiness and your lovability. So being stuck between the good feeling of getting approval and the bad feeling of what happens when you don't governs so many of our behaviors and the things that we do and yet it's it's ping-ponging between what other people want for us and ignoring our own preferences and our own source inner source of self-approval Brene Brown has lots to say about shame she has said things like keep a list of people whose opinions matter in your wallet and discount everyone else's opinion and I'm paraphrasing here And she also talks about if they aren't also in the arena, in the ring, experiencing what it takes to put yourself out there, then their opinions on my putting myself out there don't count. So the people you love the most and the people who are taking the same risks, only their opinions count. Now, I love Brene Brown, but I have to disagree because I don't think anyone's opinion of you matters or counts, even the people closest to you, because it really doesn't help you one bit to put other people's thoughts or what you imagine them to be and other people's approval of you above your own. So how they treat you, how you treat them, how you feel, how they feel, that counts. But to have your own approval means that other people's approval or disapproval is irrelevant. And this is what I believe Maya Angelou meant when she talked about belonging. You are only free when you realise you belong no place. You belong every place, no place at all. The price is high, the reward is great. So the price is high because you have to give up those highs that come from gaining those micro approvals, like the dopamine hits of likes on social media like getting the A stars, getting the approval of your caregivers, you have to give up taking them in and making them mean anything about you or your worthiness. You have to stop using other people's approval as a way to distract yourself from your own life and what you aren't happy with. And the reward is great because when you have your own approval, You have total inner freedom. That freedom doesn't have to mean rejection. And that rejection, if you do experience other people rejecting you, hurts so much less because your ego isn't invested in conforming to other people's versions of you and their opinions of you and their values and their standards and their shoulds. And in fact, you probably mutually agree if someone disapproves of you or has a problem with you, that you aren't a good match, that they don't share your values and that you don't need them to approve of you because they're just not your person. When you have your own approval, it's inner peace. It's no longer having to check yourself against someone else's standard. It's so much more internal space. It's even boring There's nothing to chase, no standard to meet. 
it's drama free. You can start taking actions based on a deeper, more meaningful motivation that is more about your own growth and discovery and getting to know, hey, what do I actually like? What do I actually want and need? What would I do if no one could disapprove? There's no drama. There's no looking outside yourself. So I offer to you that thoughts from other people. You can literally drop them out of your attention. They aren't possible for you to know. And nor is trying to guess them going to lead you anywhere helpful in your relationship to yourself or nor with others. And what some people have after years of people pleasing, which I had, is a kind of background, incessant, internal monologue of checking self against the presumed perspective of this outside gaze. And this would play loudly when I was by myself, even when I was in my own company. It would be a kind of rehearsing and practicing and checking if I'm still acceptable, even when I'm in my own company, a kind of self-monitoring and self-surveilling of my own thoughts and my own actions. So if that's something that you notice that comes into play, especially when you're by yourself, that is in the background, know that it's just habits and it's almost like an engine that's been running for so long that it's just still got momentum. And so all you have to do is notice it, think of it like a radio in the background and take it as a signal that this is a moment when you can drop into a greater level of self-connection and eventually it will stop. So eventually when you keep noticing and then keep choosing to instead come into self-connection, even if it's running in the background still, it will be a habit that slowly loses that momentum and eventually soon enough it stops. When you've been practicing imagining other people's thoughts they've become big and powerful in your attention and in your ego. It's trying to recreate and guarantee that hit of dopamine approval and that sense of social safety and so withdrawing from the habit means that you can actually start to be in your life And find out what your actual life is and what you actually feel about it. So not even your dearest favourite person's opinion, their thoughts about you matters. Their thoughts are their thoughts and they are about the person who is thinking them and not really about you. Being your own best friend, not judging yourself for anything, focusing on making self-connection your goal and letting go of the habit of second-guessing and checking yourself against this idea of what you should be in order to try and keep getting those hits of approval. Imagining other people's thoughts is like going into a YouTube comment section and asking for life advice. The response is going to be low quality, it's going to be focused on being right, it's some random person's thoughts that are coming from outside of your body, what they think you should do, and instead of connecting with what's right for you, making your own decisions, approving of yourself, because you're living according to your preferences, and you never even pick up other people's approval or disapproval. 
It belongs to them. You don't take it as yours. So two things, drop that habit of second guessing other people's thoughts. Know that you can't even change their thoughts. You can't know what they are. And two, if you encounter shame, get excited because there is total freedom. The other side of feeling through and experiencing that shame, it's a tunnel of un. So feel it, sit with it, really go into the anguish and the discomfort of it, knowing that it's temporary. And then notice what thoughts accompany it, how they're just mental conjurings, that the thoughts that you imagine people have about you are just happening in your head and that you don't have to imagine what they are. So they're just made up stories that are happening in your mind, not in theirs. And you can let go of them. The feeling of shame feels real because it's a real emotion. So feel it, hold your own hand through it until you've released it. But it's an emotion produced by a model of reality that isn't true for you. And the reason you know it's not true is because it feels like shame. So find the thoughts that you don't want to think anymore that are producing that shame. Question them. Is this true? Is this a thought that produces good feelings in me? When I think this thought, do I become who I want to be? So this is different from rebelling. This is not F you, I'm doing the opposite of what you want. So we don't want to get into rebellion, which is still caring what other people think. So rebellion can create a bit of room to start to not care, to start to drop concern with what people are thinking about you. But you want to just drop the habit of imagining that you have any idea what people think, that it's any of your business and that it's helpful. Now, if the shame feelings come directly from someone shaming you in person, this is actually giving you two things. One is giving you information about what they, what rules they live by, what rules they have for themselves that are being confronted by something that you are doing. And it's also giving you an opportunity to dig into where might you be in agreement with what they express that is intentionally or unknowingly creating shame in you. And if you feel shame because of what someone says, where is it that you can recognize that you don't have to agree with something that creates shame? These are the threat of social death, but not actual death. Inadequacy feels like rubbish because it's not true. And so know that it's just about your own thoughts. It's in your control. And it's just the feeling that there are conditions on your belonging. Feeling the shame means temporary walk in the muck, the grossness, that tunnel, in order to move it out of your body. And in order to dive into that muck and find the thoughts at the root and pull them out, look at them, recognize that they aren't helping you and let them go. The other side of a ton of un is so much incredible choice, a new freedom from the thoughts of not enoughness. You are enough. There is literally nothing you have to do or be or say or experience 
or get right or fulfill or correct in order to be enough. So where are you making something mean that you aren't enough? To be enough means to know that unconditionally you are worthy of love, support, belonging, connection from birth with zero conditions, even if you aren't experiencing those things right now. That if you don't meet a standard set by someone else, including yourself, it's either that you're still learning and gaining a skill or that it's a mismatched expectation that is not meant for you and that you can learn instead to appreciate what is unique about you and have gratitude for who you are and the fact that you're alive. Internalised ableism often feels like shame triggered by other people expressing their thoughts or values or by newly identifying as disabled and then suddenly you are part of a whole subset of people whose society deems as an underclass, as not worthy and suddenly that sense of not enoughness is in your conscious awareness because you're newly identifying with it. So that's just something to work through and feel through. Extractive capitalism feels like shame because it's an engine of linearity in which your value is determined by your ability to produce capital and tax and labour and along preset lines of resource flows that move away from you. It's the denial of simply the fact that you're alive here, worthy of that life, and that your value has nothing to do with your ability to produce profit or tax or babies, that resources are meant for mutual exchange and sustenance and not extraction into fossil fuels. Your worthiness is already a given. Societal norms feel like shame because they say there is a correct way to be and anything outside of that is incorrect or deficient or rude or uninteresting or unworthy of attention and acknowledgement and celebration and admiration. So to conclude, other people's thoughts are a dead end, a cul-de-sac, it leads you nowhere. And shame is a gift because it's pointing to unconscious, learned thoughts that are in your way and that you can untangle and feel. And in doing so, you gain the gift of having your own mind and of shame-free existence. When you've unwound the thoughts underneath the shame, then no one can use those types of thoughts to harm you. Being so-called different, not fitting in, becomes the greatest gift because your body reacts so strongly with shame in response to normative thoughts and systems and structures that it actually gives you a very loud compass to exit those into knowing that your existence is a miracle of epic infinite proportions, that your one life belongs to you and is yours to direct as you see fit and you see what fits you when you clean the lens with which you see yourself, cleaning away all of the shame producing thoughts that skew the narrative of who you are, that distort your self-concept with the weight of what you imagine other people's gaze to be. Cleaning all of that so that self-clarity is possible 
and you clean it by feeling all of the shame, feeling it out of your body, getting to the root of the thoughts or unconscious beliefs that there is some kind of condition on your acceptability and your worthiness. So some antidotes to shame. Telling your story and having another human witness it with total non-judgment and acceptance. Receiving coaching to address and find and unwind the beliefs that are active in you. Coaching is what helps you clean the lens with which you see yourself. Questioning those thoughts, knowing that if they don't feel good, they aren't useful Meanwhile, feeling that emotion, that difficult emotion, so it's not stuck in your body. Witnessing others tell their experiences that you share and maybe feel shame around and realizing that you don't reject them for it and thereby experiencing a new level of self-acceptance. So all of this is available in the solar system. If you want support to unwind the thoughts and beliefs that you personally have absorbed throughout your lifetime that are now holding you back, consider joining the solar system, going through the process, receiving coaching directly. Let's address it now so that you can move through quickly with support, start seeing change quickly and then building momentum into designing your life as your life. Instead of waiting, believing you aren't ready living according to other people's agendas or a warped self-concept and then nothing changes and you start to believe that change is impossible. So this is exactly why I created it. This is why it's so long. It's six months, but it's underpinning. It's the foundation of the rest of your life. This is why the live calls are essential. You get to have that human to human connection and witness This is why coaching is integral, because it's those techniques, those strategies for quickly identifying and pulling out and replacing beliefs that no longer work for you, that are holding you back with ones that are actually going to help you. There is always another level of self-belief that you can get to. Every time you take a new step towards a new goal, some old beliefs will start to show up and invite you into another tunnel of un and into, hey, maybe I don't want to be thinking that about myself anymore. Maybe the thoughts and the kind of persona and the constructed identity that has been about fitting in or people pleasing is something I want to evolve beyond. This is the container to do that work. And it's not hours and hours and hours of healing before I can do anything. It's find the root causes and move through it quickly so that you can start to make change. So imagine it, if you could guarantee zero judgment, zero negative thoughts from other people, what would you choose to do? What would you choose to wear? What would you do with your day to day? How would you structure it? What choices would you make? And what secret dreams would you go for? And in a future episode, I'll get into secret dreams. It's been a subject of discussion in the solar system with siblings in there. And we'll get into how to think about making, admitting a secret dream and then making that big dream happen. Strategies for how you get yourself to do things without force 
and without conforming and without feeling like everything is an expectation uh, that you won't meet. Okay, so that's it, siblings. Talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to this week's Sensory Siblings podcast. Head over to solarsystems.xyz where you can join the Plus Siblings Discord server and discuss the topics explored with other listeners. And if you're ready to go deeper into activating your future self, I want to invite you to join my six-month Unmasking Unschool called the Solar System Plus Siblings. You're going to unlearn the habits of self-negating, then create self-esteem, self-clarity, and the self-belief to model the social esteem that will create culture shifts, first in yourself, and then rippling out into everything you do and beyond. Head over to solarsystems.xyz forward slash siblings, where you can join the Solar System Plus Siblings, and I will see you inside.